How's it going again? It's going wonderful. Thanks. This is my first podcast, live social media, anything. So, well, congratulations. Thank you. I think you might be, I think you're going to be the second one that we've done outside. I figured the lighting might be a little bit better outside. Lighting is much better outside. In fact, I'm thinking I should do it outside now because that's kind of cool. <laughs> and you've got the pool in the background, which is kind of neat, you know? Yeah, it's my office. Your office, exactly. You don't have a fence, but I'll, I'll forgive you for that. Um, um, yeah, I have a six foot fence. Okay. Surrounding the property. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, I'm in a pool fence. I, when I consider a fence, yeah. it's very different from your, what other people think. Yes. I my understand. fences are fence. They got poles, you know, mm-hmm. they, they fill the concrete. Um, <laughs> so um, you were just saying you won Lifesaver of the Year this year. Yes, I won Lifesaver of the Year award through from, the NDPA. From the National Drowning Prevention Alliance. Absolutely. It was a wonderful honor. Yeah, it's a cool thing. And um, I was saying I was I was nominated for that one year. And I mostly wanted to win because I have a company called Lifesaver. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that you know, it just made sense that I should uh-huh. win the Lifesaver of the Year. Um, and so what, you know, what do you think prompted people to think you should win that award? Well, I've been a drowning prevention advocate for 18 years now in in Tampa Bay area. Um, I've done a lot of things from I've run a, a self-rescue swim lesson school as well um, for 18 years now. Four years ago, I started a um, nonprofit organization called Water Smart Tots, and we provide um, water safety education to the community, as well as provide scholarships for financially underprivileged children and children with disabilities to receive uh, one-on-one survival swim lessons. Very cool. So we've been, yeah, I've had a wonderful organization far beyond what I've expected through so many people embracing the concept and it's um, taken off. We've, re- we've educated over, every year we educate, we go to the preschools, we do uh, preschool presentations for water safety. It's a very interactive, fun, little 20 minute presentation on water safety, um, which is complimentary of course. And um, we've given about over $40,000 worth of uh, survival swim lesson scholarships, which benefited well over 300 kids in our four years of existence. So That's really we're, cool. we're very proud of that. Mm-hmm. Do you teach them all yourself? No, no. We partner with um, nine instructors now. I think we're up to about nine instructors. We initially started exclusively to Hillsborough County, uh, within Hillsborough County, but through lots of publicity and media, the um, awareness of our existence pretty much spread out. And we've had requests to um, go into Pinellas County. We've had Manatee, Sarasota, Bradenton. We pretty much are in about four counties now throughout Tampa Bay area. So, that's, and we partner really with right. instructors who specialize in the survival swimming methodology. Um, they basically have agreed to a slightly reduced uh, rate from their regular rate. And when families, when students qualify for a scholarship, once this through the screening procedures, they choose the instructor that's closest to them and they enroll with that instructor. And once they, they graduate the six week program, the instructor sends us an invoice and WaterSmart Tots pays for their, for their lessons. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yep. How, yeah. does, how does someone qualify? Um, if they are on Medicaid, or some sort of government assistance, food stamps or Medicaid, they receive 100% free swim lessons and they're valued at an average of $500. Um, if they don't receive uh, public assistance and 
they have a disability, they receive a 50% scholarship just to help off to offset the costs of um, like the therapy and um, other things that special needs uh, kids have to continuously go through. So just kind of help offset that cost for them. But um, if they I, do I have Medicaid, I'm sorry. I wouldn't know anything about that. Right. Um, so, and, um, and also um, the one-on-one -on -one attention for children with special needs. I mean, it's very difficult for them to really progress through a group setting organization. Their individual, individual needs have to be met. So um, that's why we've included, included that into our scholarship requirements. No, it's cool. And it makes sense. You know, I know that I, uh, I can actually walk in the water. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I can't oh, walk yeah, on land, but in the, in the uh -huh. pool I can walk, which is kind oh, of cool. Very fun. Yeah, uh, very nice. I haven't done it in a long time, but I, when I was mm -hmm. a kid, I could. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I can, I used to be able to swim decent, but uh, mm -hmm. but not great. But um, yeah, water, I think is a, is a cool thing, especially any kind of physical you know, mobility. Right. Limitations. Um, yeah, we've ahead. had lots of, um, Parents come back and tell us their occupational ther of their therapists would um, say that they've seen improvement with, you know, this coordination or that coordination since they've started swim lessons. So it's kind of like a double benefit to them. So do you uh, when you have someone with a disability and sorry, this is just I haven't been interested in it. But, uh, mm -hmm. you know, do you just try and put us get them as far as they can? Do you have goals for what they can, you know? No, everyone has succeeded. They've, um, I mean, it's probably taken them a little bit longer, uh, but they've all succeeded. They've been able to swim for about four to five seconds in a horizontal posture with their head down. Um, when they're tired and need to breathe, they roll onto their back and float, rest and breathe. When they're ready, they flip back over, continue swimming. So they've progressed through the whole thing. Um, like I said, it's just taken them probably a little bit longer, some of them, but they get, they all get there eventually. And what ages? Um, the scholarship program is for children ages one to six. Okay. Mm -hmm. And is that is that what age that you mostly teach? That's the age that I most I mostly teach, and most instructors generally teach pretty much under age four. It's a little bit older than what most of us teach, um, but we just figured with that kind of socioeconomic um, status, they're probably not been able to receive lessons earlier at a younger age. So we want to be able to um, make sure we, we target those children. And what about and that, that six months to one year gap? Um, I personally do. Um, that doesn't qualify for a scholarship that, um, but my, through my regular business, watch me swim. Um, I do treat children as young as six months and they must be able to sit unassisted. That makes sense. Um, yeah. So, and those children just roll and float. They don't actually swim. Um, they're right. not developmentally ready to actually swim, but they just roll and float, hold their breath underwater, rotate onto their back immediately, and rest and breathe and wait till help arrives. And, and what schedule do you do for the lessons? Um, what do you mean? So is, is it daily, every day? For it's daily. Um, it's daily, every day. That's pretty much how all um, survival swim lessons are structured. They're one-on-one -on -one lessons Monday through. Some instructors teach Monday through Thursday. Some instructors teach Monday through Friday. Um, and it's about a four to six week program. So, so about the same as other you know, survival swim campaigns? Other what? I'm sorry? So about the same as other survival swim? Yeah, uh, they're basically, yeah, survival swim, whether it be ISR or swim life or infant aquatics, they're all pretty much all structured the same. Are you are you connected to any of those or are you, are you separate? Um, no, I, right now I am not connected to anybody, but for 12 years I was um, 
an instructor and then eventually became a master instructor with Infant Swimming Resource. Awesome. So I was connected with them for 12 years and um, and I decided I wanted to really focus on Hillsborough County, my Tampa Bay area, and um, just kind of do more locally. And so I departed from them and pursued other other avenues where I can be of assistance and to bring drowning prevention awareness to the community. So, you know, going back to, you know, the beginning, what, what made you decide you wanted to do this? How did you go from, you know, most kids when they're growing up in life, they don't think, you know, when I grow up, I want to be a swimming survival instructor. Yeah. Or maybe, I, I mean, it could be. A lot of my students now tell me yeah, they want to be an instructor. They practice it in the bathtub, according yeah. to parents. That's really cool. Uh, yeah. Um, well, I was a paralegal. My career profession was a, a legal assistant. I did that for many years. Um, and about 18 or 19 years ago, my son was 16 months old, and he was found floating face down in a friend's swimming pool um, while I was attending to my infant daughter, who was at the time a few months, don't do the math, but um, they're less, less, less than a year apart. So um, the door to the, the fence door to the pool looked closed. It was a bird cage type setting. Um, and I was just supposed to be there for a few minutes to pick up my friend and we were supposed to actually head to the gym. But with that infant baby, you got to time the feeding and the diaper change. So I decided to just take care of all that at, at her house. And um, the door, the birdcage door looked closed from a distance. My son wanted to go out. They had a, like a little playroom from outside and then there, there was the birdcage to the pool. Um, I told my friend's son to go ahead and let him out thinking that I would just be right there as soon as I finished attending to my infant daughter. Um, within just a few minutes, my friend just happens for no reason at all. Look out the window and sees my son, fully clothed, jacket, shoes. This was in February, uh, face down in a pool, pretty much unconscious and not responding. And she let out this horrible scream. It's one of those screams that you know you never want to hear again and you know it's something really bad. And I paused for a second to see if I could listen, hear my son's cry. And I didn't. I didn't hear a thing. And that's actually what scared me the most. And before I was able to get outside, I was on the phone with 911 saying that my son drowned. And I, I just knew it was bad not being able to hear anything. Um, and then my friend was, by the time I was out there, my friend was trying to peel his clothes off. He was not responding. He was unconscious. He was completely blue at the time when you're in shock, you think because it's February, the water is super cold, that he's blue because he was cold. We were not processing that he was blue because lack of oxygen um we so we just focused on peeling off his cold wet clothes at the time and i was on the phone with 911 and it just occurred to me that i think my son is really dead and um i just fell to the ground grabbed him shaked him screamed at him and for whatever reason the paramedics just had happened to walk in and he started coughing up all this water um so I don't know why or how he was safe, but he was. And we spent 24 hours in the uh, emergency room um, at All Children's Hospital just for observation. And um, he was fine. He was fine and just kind of really brought a lot of awareness. And it was a rude awakening, so to speak, that one, it could have very well ended up in tragedy. And two, you kind of go through life thinking, keep in mind, this was 18 years ago. So I was a lot younger and more naive, but um, you go through life thinking, these things happen to other people. These things don't happen to me, and, you know, but drowning does not discriminate. 
as we all are seeing more so in the media now with the Bodie Miller family. Yeah, and, and I don't think you have to be younger to be naive on the topic. You know, I think um, as a culture, we do a, you know, a pretty poor job of educating uh-huh. people on, you know, how dangerous uh-huh. pools are and the water is. And I mean, you know, uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, if you're on Facebook, you get comments like I do, I'm sure that says, you know, I just watch my kids. Yeah. I don't need this, you know. Yeah. 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 That's just very ignorant. Yeah. Um, and I was guilty of that. I was in that in that position it's just very ignorant and you know thank god my son was you know spared and i was spared and we were given another opportunity and when i came home from the hospital i immediately started researching uh, survival swim lessons um and i came across infant swimming resource and i immediately enrolled my son and she had a wait list and i was like i'm not waiting put me in at any time or day or night i don't care i will make it work with my schedule we need to get these lessons done and, and so that's still going in very doubtful that anybody can learn anything, especially a child in 10 minutes. Um, I was very skeptical. Again, I was very opinionated. I was like, nobody can do that. That's not true. You know, if, if children are able to learn such skills at such a young age, why isn't it well-known and nationwide? Why isn't it like a requirement, honestly? And right. why don't pediatricians tell, tell you that? You know, hearing it from so-and-so is one thing, but when you hear it from a pediatrician, um, that I think makes it more real. Like, okay, this is, you know, these kids can truly learn to save themselves. It doesn't replace supervision, but it's just an extra layer of protection along with the safety fences and the supervision and, and the alarms and, and so forth. So, um, so yeah, I was amazed what he could learn. And um, from that point on, I was just still had, I guess, the survivor's guilt, so to speak. You hear on the, I continue to hear on the news, you know, so many kids are constantly losing their lives. It feels like constantly here in Florida, um, losing their lives to drowning. And I just went through life thinking, why was my son spared? Why? I mean, he was literally unconscious and we didn't even do CPR. We just screamed <laughs> and shook him, you know. Um, so and I eventually called the instructor and said, I want to do what you do. And I went through training through Infant Swimming Resource in 2000 been teaching ever since so that's very rewarding (laughs) you know you talk about the the pediatricians and you know i feel like i say this three times a week right now because it seems like it's coming to the surface Mm -hmm. Uh, i didn't hear anything about pediatricians even three four years ago Mm -hmm. Um, but now it seems everybody is kind of locked in on it and it's good um i don't know if you saw carrie morrison's survey which i said i I I think i I feel like i talk about on every episode we do now um Mm -hmm. because because I was so surprised by it. You know, I, I mm-hmm. couldn't believe that only 15% of the parents who responded had been warned about the dangers of their backyard pool by their doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's amazing to me, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I'm sure they talked about swaddling and SIDS and right. they made sure the car seat was safety. Just yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they, they probably talked about nutrition and vegetables and, right. you know, mm-hmm. teething and, you know, breastfeeding and all these other things that are, are really important, but only one of them is the number one accidental killer of kids between one and four, right? And and that's the one they don't talk about, which which blows yeah. my mind. It really does. You know, mm-hmm. I thought we'd really come further than, mm-hmm. than I guess we have. Um, so yeah, I like that there's this kind of groundswell of uh, people realizing in our community, at least, that 
pediatricians mm-hmm. are really dropping the ball. And mm-hmm. I think that's going to stop. I really do. Cause I think since we all I know do. it now, um, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of people kind of focusing on, you know, reaching them and there's only so many of them, right? Like we could, mm-hmm. we could literally put them all in a, probably a, a football stadium and talk to them all if you had to, you know, mm-hmm. right. um, or even smaller, probably, I don't know how many pediatricians there are, but you can get them all, you know, we, we can t- literally talk to each one, one at a time if you had to. Right. Um, right. And so I think it's going to be I, I agree too. And that actually made us more aware through my nonprofit organization, Water Smart Tots. We have decided to start also a campaign um, outreach to reach pediatrician and give them that educational material um, for water for water safety. And it's not just survival swimming, it's all aspects. Um, we've creating the water watcher tags. Um, we're going to include those in the, um, in the water safety education, but we're also um, going to target OBGYNs um, and hospital education because the hospitals provide education, whether it be babysitting education, CPR education, uh, prenatal education. Um, we're we're hoping to impact the local hospitals here and provide them with information that they can include in their um, education courses to include water safety and drowning prevention. So, um, yeah, we're looking forward to getting that started in the fall. That's awesome. So, mm-hmm. so what's your plan of attack to reach to pediatricians? Are you just going to walk in the door and? Well, uh-huh. one by one. Yeah. Well, I do have. We do have a pediatrician on our board uh, through Water Smart Tots. We have uh, Dr. Becky Pruitt. She's a local pediatrician, and we also have um, an ER physician who's on the board of directors, and they are part of the founding members of Water Smart Tots. So it's a collaborative effort, and we're going to um, meet in in this fall and kind of put together. Basically, whether it be a water safety bag or a water safety folder that includes a lot of um, water safety and drowning prevention tips and just, again, to promote awareness. And if survival swimming lessons aren't for you, that's fine. Um, I think as an American society today, we have the privilege of having choices and options. Um, and you can choose whether what is right for your child, whether it be the survival swimming or the traditional but most importantly, bring awareness that it can happen to anybody. It can happen um, anywhere, whether it be a bathtub, a canal, not just necessarily a backyard swimming pool. And um, I think it's important that the organizations, the bigger organizations kind of unite and get on that bandwagon as a whole and support each other because it's at this point, it's a community responsibility and it's going to take a community to band together and really really eliminate pediatric drowning in the United States. No, I think you're right. And, um, and I, and I think, like you said before, when it comes from a pediatrician, it just carries a lot more gravitas and uh, a little more weight. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think people take it a bit more seriously Mm -hmm. and because you expect to be told from your doctor, you know, Mm -hmm. the things you need to worry about. Um, and you know, I won't, I don't say her name, but I think she's been, she's going to start some kind of nonprofit. I think, uh, there was a pediatrician in Orlando whose daughter drowned. Um, oh no. One of Richard twins a few months ago. Oh. And, um, she's been really active on Facebook since then. And, uh-huh. and I have a feeling she'll start something, but, um, something. Said, you know, I'm, I, I am literally a pediatrician and I didn't mm-hmm. know. So if, mm-hmm. if I didn't know who, who would, you know, mm-hmm. and right. you know, so I think her, her voice will be a, a powerful part of that. Right. I definitely think it's just as equally as important, not just um, with pediatricians, but when um, a mom is pregnant, you get all this mailing and all this information and all this literature about every single thing you can imagine as it relates to children, you know, through your pregnancy. 
but you don't get any information about water safety and drowning prevention. So I think it needs to start even well before the child is old enough to see exists is aware. I think it starts with uh, educating parents before they have babies and then educating them at the pediatricians as well. It's an ongoing process. It's not just a one-time education. Uh, I was talking to somebody on the podcast. Now I can't remember who, but they had an idea that I liked a lot where they were saying that it should happen the first time that nurse gives the baby a bath in the hospital. You know, that, mm -hmm. that first exposure to water, you know, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. th which is kind of a, a cool, magical thing that your baby's, you know, getting bathed for the first time. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're showing you how, essentially. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there should be a, a little water safety lesson mm -hmm. as for that, right? I mean, it's their first mm -hmm. experience of water. You know, right. um, awareness, it can happen. Yeah. I mean, just a few weeks ago, um, probably about a month ago now, um, a 12 month old lost their life to drowning in a bathtub where um, grandmother, who's a nurse at a big hospital here, um, she left them unattended just for a minute with an older sibling actually in the bathtub. And then she came back and the infant was had to drown. So it's not, not just, it's not just pools. So yeah, going back to the baths, you know, that education needs to be included as as well. Right. Up to, I think up to 12 months is more likely to happen in a bathtub, I think. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 12 or 13 months, I think. Yeah. And then from, you know, a year to four is pools. And then after that, it becomes open water, right? Open water. Mm -hmm. That tends to be the, the, the lines uh, with boys, especially more than. Mm -hmm. And then the ones that happen in pools are, you know, happen as, as you are well aware is most of the time when there's more than one adult present. So everybody just assumes the other person is watching. And I think the biggest thing too, is that everybody automatically thinks you're going to hear a child, you know, need help. Like if they fall, they cry, if they drop something, you're alerted. Um, that's kind of what alerts us to go check it out. And without, with drowning, there is, there's, it's just silence. So I think that's important to kind of, you know, bring awareness. And I think that in return will, um, make people more diligent to supervise, you know, constant adult supervision because you don't hear a child calling for help when they're underwater. Yeah. And they, they couldn't even if they wanted to, right? They, they do could. it. They go into unless that. They, uh, and, go and, and, unless oh, they roll in, unless they're, unless they're floating. Exactly. Right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So personally, as an instructor, I prefer to have my students when they're in their flow crying or making yeah. some sort of noise than complete silence. And I do have kids that, I mean, they don't all cry, but when they do cry, I actually feel a little bit sense of relief that they can cry and be heard, you know, versus a child just hanging out, floating in complete right. silence. So. I mean, I mean, that's kind of the best pool alarm, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather, yeah, I'd rather hear the kid crying than mm -hmm. they're just kind of chilling back there quietly, you mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, in case the, the float slips or whatever, you know. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You so. only have how long can a, a baby float? Um, once they're skilled, um, once they're skilled, it really doesn't take a lot of effort to float. Um, it doesn't mean they're drown proof. It doesn't mean that they're, you know, not going to drown, but it just gives them a, a chance long enough to, for somebody to realize that they're missing and go out and check for them or, or hear them. Um, so it, it, they're, they're naturally buoyant. They're more buoyant than adults. So they can float without much effort, but you know, you get um, temperature fatigue starts to set in and um, you know, anything else can happen as while they're floating, but it's, it's, I've had students floats 
float for minutes. But um, like I said, it's just long enough, you know, hopefully not too long that before parents realize that their child is out of sight and go check on them. But it doesn't take it. It doesn't take long. And um, but yeah, it's they're pretty much boy and it's it's effortless once they're in that floating position. So, I mean, would you have you ever had a, uh, a child floating competition? Just hmm. I haven't, but I can I can put one together and come get back with you on that. That'd be, that'd be kind of cool for uh, you know, like a fundraiser kind of thing. You know, uh-huh. I know I was talking to Nate. Um, I can't pronounce his last name. Toshkel, I think, um, on Wednesday it was, and he does a, a treadathon. He's a U three competitive swimmer uh-huh. and, and a swim coach, and in Virginia at Old Dominion, and now he focuses on you know drowning prevention and water safety. Uh, especially on the international stage and, you know, trying to, you know, get um, people in third world countries um, trained on how to teach other people how to um, mm-hmm. teach water safety. And, you know, one of the ways he raises money is he does a, a treadathon where mm-hmm. him and his swim team tread water and, mm-hmm. you know, you know, people pay per hour, but, you know, like a, like a run, you know, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Water. Um, but yeah, that'd be kind of cool to have kids, Floating, because mm-hmm. I'm curious how long you know a two-year-old can float for, you know, um, mm-hmm. if if they had to. But yeah, but a, a two-year-old would would have learned the skills to get out of the float and flip right. over. Ultimately, you want them to get to safety and get themselves right. out of the pool. So the goal is not to let them necessarily stay there unattended to get yeah. you know flip over and get themselves out and swim to safety. But um, yeah, but the children too. in the group of six months to twelve months. Yeah. are not developmentally ready to do that. So they just roll and float. Yeah, I'd be curious. And you're right, you know, those few minutes are, you know, are critical. You know, I have people, you know, again, on my Facebook who would say, well, you know, you know, if I had a pool fence, you know, my kid could, you know, grab a chair, drag mm-hmm. the chair and, over, and you've climb up it. on the chair, climb up over the, you know, the, the fence. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, probably, you know, eventually. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. if, you're, if your kid has a half hour to climb over the pool fence, right. you know, <laughs> you know, there, there might be a bigger problem. Right. Um, and, you know, and what it does offer you, just like the, mm-hmm. the floating, is the most important thing you can have in that scenario, which is more time. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. It's, it's giving you more time to get to your kid. Because, mm-hmm. you know, as, uh, as Morgan um, Bodie Miller's wife put it, you know, she keeps thinking about that, that 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's all it took, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And, and with my son, I honestly don't think he was, you know, unattended for more than a minute or two from the time he was let out the door. But like, and I said, it looked closed from a distance. It was just that much, just enough to pry your fingers in there. But yeah, it just took a minute. It just doesn't take long at all. Yep. You said he was a little, a little over a year? Yeah, he was 16 months at the time. Gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, but he's 21 now, almost 22. So wow. he survived. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he survived. We survived. And, you know, like I said, it, I don't know if it was survivor's guilt, as I'm constantly hearing on the news about different children drowning and imagine the parents, what they mu- must constantly be going through um, every day. And I was spared of that and just wanted to make it mean something and dev- kind of devoted my life literally to drowning prevention and water safety. And I wouldn't change anything. I totally enjoy being in the field that I'm in and helping families and parents and providing education and um, saving lives ultimately. Yeah, it's kind of a cool thing, right? And Mm -hmm. have you gotten people that have called you and said that they've 
you know, seeing their kid use their lessons to save themselves? Yes, absolutely. We do. I mean, like I said, they're, most of the time when they do tell us, they're usually right there um, barbecuing or, or something. There's adults there. But um, and, and they've watched it and they watched it happen. And by the time they, you know, got 10 feet closer, the child was already on their back or already had turned around to, to the side. So it was almost instant. It's, it, so, yeah, I get it all the time and just makes it all that much more rewarding. That is cool. And that's kind mm -hmm. of a neat thing with the lessons as opposed to fences is, uh, you know, we never know which, you know, which kids, mm -hmm. you know, have had an accident, you know, that, that's true. That's true. But, you know, but I'm, I'm sure fences some. save a lot more lives. So I, I'm almost positive of that. I, I, mean, I don't know about more, but I, it has to be some, right? I mean, there's it's no way. It's to be quite a few. Yeah. There's just, yeah, I just can't see it not right working. So <laughs> after 30 years and tens of thousands of fences, you know, there's yeah. gotta be kids who have grown up to be 21 and, you know, like mm -hmm. your son or, walking around right now. Uh, mm -hmm. what's, he, what's he doing now? Um, he's a junior at Savannah College of Art and Design, and he just finished his internship in California. He's majoring in um, motion design, so it helps to go in the movie industry. Oh, really um, cool. Yeah, actually, he's, he starts his senior year in September, so he's going to his final year of college. So That's awesome. He's excited. Yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah, and I wouldn't have had that opportunity. And I don't know why I still, I don't know why he was spared because he was blue. He was unconscious. We didn't even do CPR. We just screamed and shook him around. And, and like I said, he was just given a second chance and thank God he was. So That's amazing. And I'm sure your daughter also went through lessons. Yep. At that point, I, when my daughter was nine months, I put her through lessons and, um, you know, she's, she's actually a, um, starting her junior year at, um, St. John's university in Queens, New York. So nice. my kids all, my kids all flew the nest. <laughs> but, <laughs> so I just have more time now. It's kind of become my lifestyle. I think for most of us drowning prevention advocates, it's more than a job. It's kind of becomes your lifestyle Yeah. of bringing awareness and, preventing drowning. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's pretty much all I do. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, I hear you. And, and um, neither of them were interested about teaching kids how to swim. No, I will say that um, I have two daughters. My oldest is 25 and my youngest daughter is 20. Mm -hmm. Since the Kardashians put a tweet about self-rescue swimming, um, it cool. might be a little bit. Now it's cool. Now what mom does is pretty cool. Right. <laughs> um, so no, they, they, you know, to them, I think they were raised on it. And a lot of people ask them, you know, isn't that cool to see that? Isn't that cool what your mom does? And they're like, <laughs> like, oh, if you say so, you know, it's like they don't know any other way. They've never it's like a normal to thing to them. But now they've chosen not to go in that path. And I tried encouraging them, but they're like, well, you're doing enough as is. Let's just go find a different path. I'm like, OK. <laughs> you know, I forget. I, I don't know them very well, um, but whichever one is the mom. I think they're all moms at this point, but mm -hmm. the, the first mom, I forget which Kardashian the first mom was. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Way, I'll, have ask, uh, I'll have to ask my daughters. They'll tell you every single fact about them. So. <laughs> she, uh, but she has one of our fences. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, good. I, I've seen it in pictures, like in their backyard. Uh -huh. Oh, like, nice. And then I called my dealer out in LA. Mm -hmm. like, you know what Kardashian? She's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, we did. Yeah. Actually, awesome. Flew, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, very oh, good. Nice job, lady. Yeah. <laughs> Way to go. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty neat. It's pretty neat when you have celebrities kind of on the bandwagon of and, yeah. and, and taking those safety precautions as, as they should. You know, we've had we've had a bunch, you know, um, 
John Travolta, Sandra oh, Bullock, nice. uh, mm-hmm. Tom Cruise, um, uh, Jennifer Lopez, and Mark Anthony at both their houses in Miami mm-hmm. and New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's been a, a slew of them. You know, Toby yeah. McGuire. Mm-hmm. We've connected with your dealer out here in Tampa, or we've reached out to him, and hopefully, you know, we want to provide, like I said, water smart tots in our profit. We believe in all water safety. Um, prevention method. So we would like to kind of work something out with him where we can include his information. We have CPR and we give out CPR information as well. So it'd be great to have his, his literature out here. I forget his name, to be honest, but his name is uh, Quentin Sukop. Okay. Yeah, that's That's right. He's got a weird name. So yeah. So hard to remember. So yeah, my outreach coordinator has reached out to him and hopefully we'll be getting his information too to distribute as part of our water safety campaign and what? his his wife uh does swim instruction too which is kind of oh cool. does she uh-huh. yeah. Very cool. yeah she has a swim school in tampa or outside uh-huh. tampa um but you know actually we owe you a pool fence um and you can get choose to donate to somebody else if you want but mm. you know the uh, the the prerequisites for the save a life program is anyone who's had a fatal or non-fatal drowning and uh-huh. you know essentially there was a rescue involved and had to go to the hospital which you fit all of that you know, mm-hmm. even though it was 18 years ago. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, we owe you a fence. So, okay. well, we could use one. We could use you there, you know? There you or, or if you know somebody that could use With it. Somebody? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Good. Them. I'll keep that in mind. Very good. Thank you. Yeah, we have, you know, we do have a lot of people we donate fences to, but they, mm-hmm. they're like, well, you know, we're going to fill in the pool or we're moving, you know, that, that happens mm-hmm. a lot where they don't want to mm-hmm. Um, And they end up, you know, giving it to a, you know, a family member or they know somebody who couldn't afford it or mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Okay. So. Good to know. Definitely put the word out there for that. Very good. And then, you know, in Paul DeMello's case, you know, because of his twins, you know, we, mm-hmm. you know, we got two. So he, uh, you know, mm-hmm. he, he gave one of them away, I think, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. I've watched his, um, I have his notifications. I've watched him put up fences and, yeah, you know, our- his own advocacy for water safety. It's, it's pretty cool. I feel like we're a tight knit family and, everybody seems very passionate in what they do. And, um, you know, I just, I just really would like to see my vision besides having, not having one more child drown to the bigger organizations kind of unite and kind of work together, um, and drowning prevention and kind of respect all methods and all, I mean, if it saves a life and ultimately it does, you know, why does it matter if they chose, you know, the survival swimming or the traditional type swimming lessons or, you know, and the, you know, the fence and the alarms. I mean, ultimately we have the same goal in mind and I don't think it's, it should be that big of an issue, you know, how, how they get there when it comes, you know, to the end result. Yeah. Uh, Paul actually is our chief giving officer, we call him. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So he's the guy that actually goes out and, you know, contacts families who we donate the fences to. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. normally they've had a drowning so he can connect with them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and then he installs his own fences, obviously, as well. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, you're right. You know, and that's kind of why we, um, you know, in 1989, when my my dad coined the phrase layers of protection uh, for the first time. Um, mm-hmm. I like your birds, by the way. That's cool. That's yeah. Um, yeah, that was the idea, right? The, the, mm-hmm. These things don't have to compete with each other. Exactly. You know? They don't. In the late 80s, there was the debate about which is the right solution. Mm-hmm. Is it fences? Is it alarms? Is mm-hmm. it um, su- just supervision period? Mm-hmm. You know, is it swim lessons? You know, which one is the thing you should do? And, mm-hmm. you know, he was sitting at a table with the uh, Broward Health Department and the Consumer Product Safety Commission. 
and said all of them that you should have multiple layers of protection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was kind of the beginning of that. Um, yeah. followed, followed by a book he wrote in 1989. Yeah, but, um, definitely. I mean, yeah. I agree. I mean, the, the as big as the problem is, it's there's no one solution, right. and there's no one organization that's going to fix the problem. You know, it it's going to take an entire community. It's going to take a bunch of different advocates from different arenas and different beliefs to unite and come together and respect each other. And <laughs> but um, you know, that's my vision. I would like to see that happen one day, and I think that's the only way we can truly prevent drowning and eliminate it once and for all. Do you think we're doing a good job? I think we're doing a great job. Um, I do. I think we're doing a great job. I think there's a lot of room for improvement. And I think my big thing is unity. Um, going back to that whole unity thing. Um, I, I've been involved with Infant Swimming Resource, um, drowning prevent, uh, the NDPA. I was an ambassador for the drowning NDPA in Tampa and will be an ambassador for them again in um, the 2019 conference. So the more I meet people and continue to talk people to people, the more I'm seeing how really divided we are in a sense, um, which, you know, I'd like to see that. I'd like to see that change. That's where I think the biggest improvement needs to be. But overall, yes, I think we are all passionate. We're all committed. I think it's become a lifestyle for many of us um, and we are doing a great job. But I think ultimately that unity has to be there and the powers that be have to come together, the bigger organizations. What do you think yeah. is the, the cause of that separation? Um, the methodology. I think the lack of understanding and the lack of education in the methodology. Um, partially, but I also think that people feel threatened. I don't want to try to put this in the most politically correct way, but everybody wants credit. Sure. You know, exclusive. Yeah. It's that exclusiveness to credit, but you'll never get there if that's what you're looking for. Right. You know, the right. ultimate solution, the, you know, the solution, the vision to eliminate drowning is never going to get there. If we're never going to get there, if everybody is just looking for that exclusivityness and that exclusive creditness, because it's, it's bigger than that. It's bigger than one organization. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, there's only, yeah. The, the problem is too big for, you know, us to point it, you know, one person or one organization mm-hmm. be like, that's the guy that cured drowning, you know, that no, mm -mm. there's that, that that will never happen. Um, you know, everybody can take credit for their part in it. Um, their little piece in it if they want, um, or some credit, but ultimately without, even with the specific methodology of the survival swimming school, I think without a team of people coming together and, you know, learning and educating themselves about it and then becoming instructors and working in their own community in many aspects. I mean, you can't take credit because even for that, because I think it's, it's all the instructors as well that went through that training to teach and provide these same skills and the other and bring awareness and, and, and within their community and talking to people and educating people. Um, so it's, it's going to take, it's going to take all different organizations to come together to eliminate pediatric drowning. Yeah, I think so. And I would like us to be nicer to each other, you know? Um, I agree. Because we set an example. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. I understand. I completely agree with you. I think respect is the biggest thing. I think this is what you believe, then that's fine. It's what I believe. Doesn't mean I'm going to 
not respect another organization's belief and efforts to prevent drowning. I think respect among the bigger organizations is important too. And I would like to see that. And I believe it will, we'll get there hopefully one day. I, um, I, I saw a video of a, uh, a mom who lost a child and she was um, watching her other daughter get trained. And um, it wasn't a formal swim lesson, but it was a swim instructor. Uh, mm-hmm. It was Johnny, jo- Johnny Johnson, who's a, a famous, uh, he's trained Olympians. He's been around for, for literally forever. Um, you know, he was, you know, past president of the NDPA, you know, literally a legendary swim instructor. And they weren't doing a formal training. They were just playing in the pool with this mm-hmm. daughter. And, you know, all of the, almost all the comments were other swim instructors telling him what he was doing wrong and, you know, how dangerous it was and how, how wrong she was. And, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and she kept saying like, oh, they're just hanging out in the water. Like, this isn't like really a lesson. They're just playing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, up to you know, your, your, your other kids going to drown. And this is so terrible. Yeah, and no, that's was, not like, the way to you, present. What, what are you people doing? You know, this is. Yeah. Terrible, yeah, you know? no, I disagree. Like I said, it's just respecting all different m- methods and options. I mean, we choose as parents, we have the opportunity and the privilege and the luxury of choosing so many things for our children, whether it be private school, public school, um, breastfeeding, bottle feeding, um, whatever it may be, gymnastics or soccer or homeschooling or, or not, we have so many options and we all, there is no one fit, you know, one method fits everybody or every family or every child. So I don't believe in, you know, I think just education of the options, just like with anything else. And as parent, we choose and, you know, our choices should not be belittled in any way because there's no one fit for everybody. having the option to choose is 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 a luxury so just a matter of getting the correct information out there to parents so they can make that you know that wise decision what's best for them and it's the right way to present the information it is and so many people do nothing at all Mm -hmm. you know that they Mm -hmm. you know i think that anyone who is doing you know something right should get Mm -hmm. better Mm -hmm. for that yeah, yeah, absolutely. Something is better than nothing. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we even say that when it comes to CPR, right? Is you're better off doing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I listened to um, Doctor. Is it Entebbe? I don't know how to say his name. Doctor Entebbe, the ER that presents at the NDPA, the ER yes. physician. Yeah. Um, when he said, "Do doing something you new, know, uh, doing something is better than doing nothing," and I think back to my son's situation. I mean, we literally just screamed and shook him around trying to peel off his clothes. So maybe, yes, you know, maybe that helped. I don't know. But definitely doing something is better than nothing. You know, I don't know if you met Laura Metro when you were at the NDPA conference. Um, She she does CPR party. Yeah, yes. Mm -hmm, Because the name sounds familiar. Yes. Mm -hmm. And her son, Clay, uh, drowned in a pool and they yanked him out and... A, a bystander started doing CPR uh, who had never taken a CPR class. Oh, wow. He, he literally started doing what he'd seen on TV. Okay. You know, he, he wow. Made, you know, mm-hmm. and, and then the paramedics came and he was, you know, hella backed um, away. Mm-hmm. And um, Clay was in a coma for a while and ended up being okay eventually. Um, you know, now he's 100% fine. Thank God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, they credit the, the guy who did, you know, mm-hmm. CPR, Something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Who, who didn't know what he was doing, you know, mm-hmm. but you know, mm-hmm. he probably saved that his life. 
Yeah. So, so that's when she started doing the CPR party where mm-hmm. it's like a Tupperware party or mm-hmm. you know, any one of those parties, but you learn CPR instead, you know? Yeah, we're actually putting one together this fall in October with the uh, CPR um, organization, and it's going to be a CPR party slash fundraiser for Water Smart Tots as well. So oh, that's cool. That's going to happen in October. Yeah. So and and I we got the I got the idea from the CPR party from attending the NDPA. Um, like, yeah, let's make it a party and you know include a fundraiser with it. So um, that's that that's that whole unity of collaborating and taking ideas and from other people and other advocates and implementing them in, in your community. I think the more is more is merrier and, and better. And like I said, we can all, you know, benefit from each other and, you know, implement what we've learned and, or what we choose to implement and choose not to, but the options are there and there's just, it's unlimited. Yeah. And what's nice about that is you, know, you don't get certified, mm-hmm. but you wanted something, right. And, you know, if you walk away with the, the basics, Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can do CPR like that guy who watched it on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you could save somebody. Yeah, no, something is better than nothing. I definitely be- believe that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So if somebody wants to make their pool safer, you know, what do you recommend parents to do? Um, if somebody wants to make their pool safer, well, in Florida here, it's, we do have the law. They have to have this uh, pool safety fence. Um, but I don't think it's it's one method. I think it's multi. We believe in a multi-layer approach um, to prevent drowning, which includes the, the fence, the alarms. Um, I even installed a ring. There's a ring camera on a post on my pool, the ring. So I even installed that and I have the motion when I'm not using it, there's the motion thing that goes off on, on my phone. And that I thought was pretty cool. I'm like, I used it for my doorbell and I'm like, hmm, I wonder if I can take this same thing. And it's not a doorbell, it's a floodlight. They have the floodlights. I wonder if I can take this same concept and put it out there. And it's as for outdoors. So when there's motion around the pool, it rings to my, you know, my phone sends me a signal and you can get a live view of what's going on, whether it be a leaf or the dog jumping in the pool or, or, or whatever. So, um, so yeah, I do have that in, installed. Um, I have the six foot barrier plus, I mean, I don't have little kids, but my pool is an above ground pool. So that serves as a barrier itself, but um, all layers, the safety fences, the alarms, video cameras, teaching your child to swim um, and knowing how to do CPR is, is important. So it's, it's a multi-layer approach. It's not one method. I think the ring doorbell is a great idea. I, I have yeah, one on my door it. and now I'm thinking I need to stick with it in the backyard, you know? Oh yeah. And it's, it's not the, I mean, it's the ring doorbell, it's ring, but they have yeah. the floodlights. I don't know if you're aware, or this is actually, they have the floodlights, but which I have as well back here. Um, but they also have the uh, spotlight. It's called the spotlight out there. So when there's motion, the light at night, it just comes on. Um, but there's when there's motion, whether the light is on or not, it, I get a notification on my phone. So I love that idea. That's really cool. You know, yeah. And I know there's some companies that are trying to do that, but identify if it's a child or not. And then. Oh, know, yeah, I've, I did learn about that. I briefly kind of got a little information about that. Yeah. We lost you. Oh, you're cutting in and out. She's gone. Oh, you're back. We can't, we can't hear you, but you're back. Nope. I mean, I can see you, but I can't hear you. <laughs> yes, no, maybe. Something bump. We'll give her a second. 
I like that ring doorbell idea. That's really cool. I don't think we ever, because I've got one on my door and it does give you a notification if uh, if someone walks up and it does a history so you can see see prior prior things. They should, you know, that's the, that's the problem with calling something something, right? If you call it a doorbell, you want to put it by the front door. But the, if they just called it like a ring motion camera, then, you know, you wouldn't just be thinking about it on the front door. You'd be sticking it everywhere. Um, I think that's a good idea. I think I'm going to do that. I think I'm going to buy a ring doorbell, which they should rebrand appropriately. And I'm going to stick it in my backyard as a, as a pool camera. It's a, it's a really good idea. I think that has a lot of applications and she's right. It does. It notifies you right on your phone and you can uh, open the notification on your phone. You can see what's going on live in real time. You can hear it's got a, a microphone so you can pick up what's going on. And there's a speaker on it too. So you can actually you know, use your phone to talk out to it. Not that you're going to say anything to somebody who's drowning, but you know, if some 16 year old is in your pool, you can yell at them, I guess. Uh, oh, you're back. We can't hear you though. Maybe um, unplug the headphones. Nope, I still can't hear you. Hmm. Hmm. Nope. Very strange. No audio. She's going inside. But I can see you. So I would say if you unplugged the headphones, you might be better off. But, well, no big deal. So this is Carrie, and we'll try one more time. If not, I think we were about to end anyways, so we can, we can wrap it up if she doesn't make it back. But yeah, I think that, that doorbell idea alone was really cool. And, you know, when she was getting through the lyrics production, which I agree with 100%. I did want to clarify that bit about the law, though. I can't hear you. Did you try unplugging the headphones from the computer? Yeah. All right. Well, here, here's what we'll do. Um, we, we, were, we were about done anyways. So uh, one, one quick thing I'll tell everybody, even though you can't hear me, I can't hear you. Uh, I was going to say about the law is that um, in Florida, they changed it so that you you um, offense is an option, but you can also now get the floating pool alarms, which I think is a bummer. Um, you know, the door and window alarms um, were not as good, but the floating pool alarms was last year and that sucks. But in any case, um, you're Carrie Bahor and your nonprofit is at watersmarttots.org, right? Thumbs up, good. <laughs> and, you know, if anybody wants to learn more about you, they can go to watersmarttots.org and check out your nonprofit. You're doing great work. Thank you so much. And we will talk to you really, really soon. Thanks.